Hello? I hear you. All right. I couldn't hear anybody in the last Whoa, look at that. Hey, I like that. That's all of us. What's going on? Not much. So, Brad, you're good to go? Yeah, I can finally hear people. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Whenever you want to start it, then we could edit it up afterwards. So. All right. Good. Because this isn't going so well. All right. Welcome, everybody. It is episode 42 of Hot Take from the Kitchen. It is a snowy Monday night, and we're doing this on a conference call, pretty much. We're doing what Dylan and his buddy do on their podcast, so I guess trying something new tonight. And I guess you can find us on social media. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen on Facebook and Instagram. And... Our email address is hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It is H-O-T-T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. And I guess that's all I got right now. Well, I mean, the reason we're doing this is because it's terrible outside. Yes, it is. It is very nasty out. So who do we have on tonight? We have Greg from Hungry Hippie, and he's got his own podcast now, too, the Hippie Greg Show, so check that out. I've been trying to catch up on his episodes, so thank you, Greg, for being here again tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, Greg is like, there's going to be a lot to talk about because Greg has done some pretty cool things here. Um, not only is he created his own pod and then a vlog but um he's also uh gone through surgery and he's on the mend right now so it's kind of a neat, neat thing that he's got a lot going on and it's um I'm certainly glad to have him on tonight yes never a dull moment man <laughs> i bet so <laughs> so uh what's the you got any hot takes for us brad uh I might have a couple, I guess. The first big one I saw was sports-related, and it was uh, Anthony Davis has requested a trade from the New Orleans Pelicans. So I guess I kind of saw this coming. I don't think New Orleans is where he wants to be. So He wants to go play with LeBron. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not the story. The story I read, I mean, well, it is part of the story is that New Orleans just released a comment saying that they want the NBA to follow suit on tampering finally. And it's pretty, um, it's, that's a tense because LA has been tampering. There's no doubt about it. Oh yeah. When your agent is rich Paul, who's best friends with LeBron, you know, it's some shady stuff's going to be going on, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, my hot take is I saw on Twitter this morning that um, civil rights groups have warned Texas they do not want people to uh, check citizenships for their uh, when they vote because everyone knows <laughs> it's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. A big topic in our country. Having to show their citizenship for some odd reason in some places. Not the best thing for people to be doing. It's, it's weird. Weird time in our country for sure. Yes. Great, Gaddy. Anything you want to talk about real quick? As you guys were bringing that up, I was uh, trying, I didn't know I was going to get put on the spot with a hot take, but. Uh, Anything that's going on in the world today? I mean, we got the Super Bowl coming up. That's a pretty big thing. Who you guys uh, think's going to win that thing? Well, I got the Pats. Yeah, I, so do I. That makes all of us. 
Yeah, I uh, I offered to the guy today without looking at the line. I offered the guy New England plus three. I give him three points, and he still wanted to take it. But uh, I found that the line's two and a half. So I was pretty close. Who wins it if uh, it, uh, if it's three? Who wins it? Uh, well, if New England, if you take the two and a half line, and New England wins by three, then you win the bet, right? But if so, it's like you know anything under two or um, St. Louis winning, then that's how that would work. So right. New England's got to win by at least three. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. It's uh, interesting stuff, that's for certain. And uh, I know Brad and I've been Brad and I've been friends long enough, and Tom Brady's got enough Super Bowls that <clears throat> this isn't new by any stretch of imagination. No, no. it wasn't. Uh, last year, I think everybody kind of had them rolling in that one, and I remember that sack at the end of the game was the that uh, changed the changed the outcome of it. That's for sure. Yeah, and the, the year before um, is our – I don't think our buddy listened, so we can go ahead and tell the story. Um, <clears throat> we, Brad and I are both Tom Brady fans, and we were annoyed. We were at our buddy's house, and they were getting their butts kicked. And long story short, I said, I can't handle this anymore. I'm leaving. And um, so I came home, and then the Patriots ended up winning. So we kind of joked that. It was uh, my buddy's house is cursed. <laughs> you gave up, I left, on it, man. I did give I up. I left the after the third quarter, and they just started winning. So I was like, "All right." So, so now I'm superstitious. I don't like to go over there. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> we stay away from there in the big games. Hundred percent. That's what we do. All right. Well, we'll take a break. Oh, we got trivia yet. We do. And last week's question was really long. So see if I can find it again. Uh, All right. I found it. And last week's question was on March 8th, 1926, two desperados known as the Notorious Lions Brothers were wanted for murder in Ohio. They had fled Ohio and were steady on the run north until they became hopelessly stuck in a snowbank on State Avenue in Alpena. Abandoning their automobile, which had Ohio license plates, they walked the rest of the way into town. These suspicious men were apprehended by Alpena Police Chief Google McKenzie at the intersection of Chisholm Street, Chisholm Street and Washington Avenue. One of the brothers pulled a gun and shot the chief in the neck. The Lyons brothers then stole an automobile parked near Daly's Market on Fifth Avenue and sped out of town. Sheriff Ed Hatch notified residents in nearby communities. At 12.15 a.m., 50 minutes after shooting Chief McKenzie, the two men were captured by who? Anybody have a guess? I have no idea. <clears throat> Me neither. I didn't even know that story existed. Neither did I until I read the question last week. And they were apprehended by a posse of farmers at a Lachine roadblock. The Lyons <laughs> brothers found themselves surrounded by rifles. The brothers surrendered and were taken to the county jail and held under strong guard until they returned to Ohio. And the source for this was the Robert E. Haltoner series. So, well, I've always made the, I've always said that we should make a movie, and it would be like Red Dawn, and essentially because we have this big air base here in town, and essentially how it works is, North Koreans or whoever you want to take come here and they try to take over this airfield and they're successful at it. But what they don't realize is that everybody in our community has way too many weapons. And we ended up overtaking them, and they realized that they picked the wrong airbase. They should have taken one somewhere not, not near so many people that are armed so well. Yeah. There are definitely a lot of guns in this area. so It'd be a great movie. It would be. It would be. All right. So I watched it last night with my roommate, and it scared the bejeebas out of him. It did. So this week, 
Our question is Johnny Lau Saloon, Alpena's oldest historical historical saloon, is located on the Owens block in Old Town Alpena. One of its one of the biggest draws to the saloon, other than the great food and unique atmosphere, is what? Oh, I know oh. this one. Yes, it's an easy one. So well, it's easy for some people. <laughs> I like it. It's a layup. We need a layup question. Greg, yeah. Greg, you have to answer this? I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, really? I, I do. Just, I just clanked one off the rim for the layup, man. Well, I think it's so easy that you might be overthinking it. I so. probably am. Yeah, because I think the minute you say, you're like, oh, I knew that. So, um, but yeah, I know that um, they've even had, uh, I don't know if the TV show ever came in there for it, but I know people have been in there for it. That's for certain. Yes. So. So next week, we'll find out the answer. All right. I like it. Well, that's probably a good uh section of our first segment it felt kind of weird but it rolled along almost normally like it does we're coming along now we're getting over the jitters and the newness of it so it's the first time you're doing something over the phone anytime you have something new that you're doing it's going to be a little bit wonky at first i hear heard that <clears throat> all right so we'll take a break and when we come back we will uh talk with greg about <laughs> just all that he's got going on and um, we'll just go from there. All right. But we're not actually going to take a break. Because I just swear to God, if we disconnect the thing. Because then it's all. Greg, my friend, how you doing? Awesome, man. That's good. Why don't you... Um, well, let's do the first things first, which for those of you who actually know you, um, give a little bit of update of the, your whole process with your surgery and what you're going through now that we teased at the beginning of the episode. Well, so do you want me to backtrack a little bit? Yeah. What happened? Okay, so two years ago, it would have been in November of 16, I got a corneal ulcer, ended up having a transplant done. The I was in really bad shape when they had it done, so they had to do a graft, and it was very unlikely that it was actually going to stay. So after six months, it rejected, and that summer, I they usually just do a second transplant right away when that happens, but I really didn't have the downtime to be able to do it. It was right before 4th of July, and so I just kind of sucked it up, and then I ended up buying the Dairy Queen Dome for the Hungry Hippie, so really last winter, spring, summer were pretty full and recovery from the first one took, I would say about two and a half to three months before I could do much because it was in pretty rough shape. And then this go around, it's been a whole different world. I had surgery two weeks ago and I've already gotten cleared to do light exercise. I can't pick up or do much lifting or anything like that yet, but uh, all in all, everything's good. I can see my I have peripheral vision again and it's a whole different world. It's weird to for a year and a half to not be able to really see much of anything and have your eye be super irritated, really sensitive to light and so I'm pretty grateful for the place that I'm in now. Wow. Yeah, I remember was it two years ago when you started it originally and then? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember uh, a little bit of you going through that, and I was just like, holy cow, that is absolutely nuts. It's a freaky thing, man. I mean, the, the truth is, is I've never, like, I didn't even get sick. It's been, like, probably three years since I've been sick, and I remember before surgery, I had to get a physical done, and that was the first time that I had been in a doctor's office or, like, had a physical done since I was a teenager in high school. Huh. Freaky. It's 20, 20 years since I had seen a physician. Wow. Yeah. All right. So um, then I guess we've already done a little bit, talked in the last episode about the hippie. Why yep. don't we, um, I guess we could still, let's, let's stay there. Um, you got anything planned for the hippie this upcoming year? I saw you had a little Facebook uh, jam session where you're trying to, get some ideas and a little group think there. 
yeah, I like to pick the brains of the customers because at the end of the day, those are the people that I'm serving. And I think that it's really important to find out, get the pulse from them and see what they're looking for. So I did a question questionnaire thing, offered a prize and, and got some input from people and got a couple pages full of ideas. The one that was the best, in my opinion, was uh, my friend Dave said to build a wall for doing art. And I thought that was just kind of funny with the political climate that we're in right now. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to, to bring, I don't like to bring politics into my business. So I kind of steered clear of getting anybody's, nobody really comments or anything on it, but to a wall for local artists to do art on, it was initially we wanted to do some stuff on the dome, but that material on it is not going to work. We'll, we'll probably end up having to do a wrap of some sort on it, but that's kind of the, the last thing that I'll be doing with that place. Aesthetics always come last. It's getting the internal workings of the kitchen and, and getting a static menu down. And I'm really going through some big, there's probably going to be some big changes with that business over this winter. Um, I was crunching some numbers and I know that most businesses don't normally share a lot of the, the inner workings of it and everything. But um, I realized that in the hippie that a lot of the things that we've done, we've done sandwiches for five years and they're a lot of the customer favorites. And I got digging into it and I'm like, holy shit, I, we don't make any money in the dome doing sandwiches and everything else is great. So I'm really having to reevaluate that. And I asked for some customer feedback and I got most with how it would be if we did some changes. I got mostly favorable feedback in taking them out and adding a bunch of new stuff and kind of doubling down on the good things that we've done. But I really want to find a way to where we can even do a weekly sandwich or a couple to, to keep them on there because I know people really like them, but at the end of the day, it's a business and the things that we can make faster and serve a lot of, especially during the lunch period, that's the direction that I want to go in with that. But there's a lot to be figured out in the next few months with that for sure. I mean, the Burmeister was always one of my favorites. And I know that um, came off the menu last year. That was a, if you, if you wanted it, you could always ask for it. That's, it's kind of been a, a thing that people in the know from back in the trailer days, I'd always get people coming through a couple of days later. Hey, can you do that special? And we wouldn't have all the stuff for it, but I could kind of make it work. And with the Burmeister, we have goat cheese in there. So it was always something that if you had asked and we're a little slower, we can always knock that out. And it's, uh, it's been different moving into this building with doing this custom stuff because we haven't done as many specials because it's been busy without needing to do that. But uh, it's something that we've done all along is when something works that we ran as a special, we'll try it out a few times, possibly add it. But over time we've tried things, some of them work, some don't. And I like to keep moving in the direction of, looking for things that don't just work, but things that work really well. And so it's constantly adding this, taking that away without doing too much of it to where it pisses the customers off. But it, uh, I remember when we went from the trailer to the dome, I decided that it was really important that, to get rid of burritos. And there was a few people that uh, weren't very happy about that. But at the end of the day, everybody kind of forgot about it after a little bit of time. And it was the, probably the best move moving into a new place because they take forever and we really strive to be as fast as we can. And having things that take eight to 10 minutes to serve is really drags down a lot of our other fast service stuff. Right. <clears throat> well, as long as you keep the trippy tacos. Oh dude, I, I, yeah. Those are, those are staying forever. <laughs> trippy tacos and then uh, the chipotle bowl is allison's favorite so you can't get rid of that either yeah no the the bowls tacos nachos smoothies all that stuff will be fairly similar to last year we'll have all the same things returning and then if we go through with this either cutting severely cutting down the sandwich line or eliminating it all together if we end up going through with that you're going to see probably two or three more tacos more nacho options, uh, at least two or three more bowls, and then 
one other new, completely new item to the place. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that we've been doing sandwiches for five years, and I hate to switch it up, but when you look at the financials of things, you have to understand that if you're not making money at something that no matter how much people like it and everything that you have to reevaluate it at least and change something. Because if you, what's that, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results that, uh, that comes into play in the food business. Excuse me. So, um, I'm sorry, my brother's going to cough. I'm huddled off in the corner of the bedroom and, uh, you know, it is what it is. So, Sam Allison, just take like a... you're down for the count for a minute. Have her take over for a minute. Yeah, I mean, and she would probably do a better job than I would, and then I'd be <laughs> out. So we're not going to have that. So, hey, uh, so why don't we? Why don't you tell me a little bit about your summer or winter? Because I was super jealous about your November, and uh, you closed down shop, and then why don't you tell uh, my listeners what you did? In, Right on, man. So when I got into doing this business and, and changing, basically overhauling my life of getting away from work in a different job, I really wanted to travel. And so I got into business for myself and I had no idea what I was getting into. And honestly, for it had been five years since I first opened the hippie trailer and then started running Lee's. And outside of a work trip, I got to do I did some odd jobs in Florida and traveled down there for the winter. It really hadn't been able to get away uh, a lot of it due to financial reasons. And then also with building businesses and needing to take time to do certain things, I hadn't been able to get away. And so this year finally it gotten to a place where I'm like, okay, I have the time. Didn't really have a lot of financial means to do it. But I think that when we decide that we're going to do something and kind of explore some different avenues on, how we can make it work, then things kind of fall into place. So I did a Facebook post. I'm like, hey, I'm planning on going out west. Anybody know of any odd jobs or gigs that they could find for for me, ways to make money or places to stay, just let me know. And a friend of mine, Madeline, actually told me about her parents, and they're just south of Portland, and they're building a holistic health retreat, and they needed some work done. They needed a lot of uh, brush cleared and uh just blackberry brambles and trees cut down and they had a lot of work to do. And so I got in touch with them and we kind of contracted out to have me work with them. And so I drove, it took about a week driving over there. And for, I would say for about two years, I had wanted to do something different on the side in the winter that would just be a change of pace. I don't want to do food year round at some point it'll probably be in the form of another restaurant somewhere where it's a year round uh, hippie business. But for right now with the, the dome's always going to be seasonal. I mean, look outside right now. I'm not serving food at all. <laughs> it's just not happening. And I like the seasonality of it because I can do stuff like travel. And so when I was on my way out there, I really had this strong urge. I had been thinking about doing a vlog podcast and, and as I traveled out there, I'm like, this is what I have to do and really made that decision. I was really excited about it. And I had talked with a friend of mine before I left the day before about this. And we came to the conclusion that if I could tie it in with the business somehow, and then also with my lust for travel in the off season, and then the hippie Greg show kind of fit the bill because it ties it in with the hippie. And then it's me and my travels and, I, as I travel, I'm like, okay, I could interview people on the road. And then when summer's here, tie it in more with the business and the local community. And as you're aware of, you're going to be the first local guest on the Hippie Greg show tomorrow. We're going to do the interview. And to be able to tell some stories of people in that are not heard from all the time, or they haven't had their story told in public, and then to take some of the really interesting people that I meet on the road and be able to tell their story. So the first place that I stopped at, um, I found this guy in couch surfing and he had a Volkswagen bus in his profile picture. And I reached out to him and, and waiting to hear back from him, like, 
shit, this is my first interview. And so I hear back from him and he's like, cool. And so when I got there, I talked to him about it. He's like, sure. So he told me the story of his Volkswagen. During that interview, I hear of this other guy that did a movie in Missoula, Montana called The Bus Movie. He recommended him to me. And so I'm like, well, here we go. I got the first one under my belt. I reached out to that guy. He said yes. And I was kind of off and running at that point. And it turned to turned out to be kind of a side project while I was traveling. I did six podcasts while I was on the road, most of them in the Portland and uh, Seattle area. And then the rest of it I did was mostly traveling and, and having fun. But it was really cool to see the evolution of, I mean, you guys understand that. You probably, as you've done podcasts, realize that doing the questions are easier and it gets a lot smoother. Am I correct? Brad. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Well, it's, when you spend time doing something, time. it gets better, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, go ahead. I've seen our growth over time, so, yeah. I 100% agree. I think, especially interviewing people, being able to, you know, kind of, for lack of a better term, have a couple go-to questions when it gets quiet that you can kind of pull out and just say, hey, you know, you know, blah, 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 you know, whatever you got to say to, keep it, <laughs> to kind of keep it going, you know, because um, sometimes you expect, you ask a question and you expect it to go, um, you know, you think it's a good question and you think, man, this is going to lead to some awesome conversation. They go, yeah, I guess so. And then you're just like, that did not, you know, go at all how you saw it in your head at least. So, right. So how does you you have a vlog? It's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you have a plan for it or any type of frequency? Do you plan on keeping that into the summer? I know you're really busy during the summer. Yeah. So with the with the vlog, what I want to do is so I have the the hungry hippie and then the podcast. Those are kind of the those are the anchor things that I'm doing. Those are what I'm going to be putting the most work into especially the hungry hippie that's that's the most important thing but i think that there's people that i follow online that are really into documenting and being authentic with a business and so i think back to the days when i started the food trailer and just how much of a train wreck that i was when i started that i mean <laughs> it was like literally my days for the first two months when I started that business is I would work from nine in the morning until 10 o'clock at night, clean up, go home and play Madden online until like one or two o'clock in the morning and then get up based, like run to work and go do that. I didn't know how to handle anything. Like it was so far beyond what my mind was capable of and like what I was ready for that I kind of went into shell shock mode and wanted to numb out. And when I think back five years ago, I really wish that during that time I would have started doing something like this because then you would have been able as a customer or somebody that is looking at starting a food cart or any business for that matter, when you can see the progression of somebody and how things move forward, you would have seen some, you, the first one, the first blog would have been just as bad as the first year of the hippie was. But I mean, I, like it, it went well enough to keep doing it, but I find that a lot of times it's important to start things before you're actually good at them and kind of roll with it and you'll evolve into something better. And so with the vlogs, I feel like the food business that I have is slowly with the move into the new building. I have, I would say at least two more years to have it look and resemble something that I pictured from the start and it's kind of evolved along the way. But with that, I'm going to be able to tell the story and then give people updates for the hungry hippie, what we're working on. I'll probably do one here in the next couple of days, giving a little update on some of the changes that might be happening. And then talking some about the personal internal work that goes into becoming a better manager and planning stuff and everything that goes into it. And I think that, it's probably at this point a very small audience that will be tuning into this stuff, but 
you guys would have went through that too with hot take from the kitchen. You probably had five people listening when you started. And then when you stay consistent with it, you build more of an audience. And that's kind of the vibe that I'm going for is the, the vlog is basically me just puking in front of a camera and just rolling with it and, and just kind of telling a story authentically as to what it is without a necessity to be polished and clean and just telling the story of my life and how this evolves. And I, that's basically what it's all about is just being authentic with everybody and showing the behind the scenes work that go into building a business. And then I'll also be documenting some of the podcast stuff as I get better with that and try some new techniques and do some different interview styles and really showing the inner workings of what I'm going through to feel that process out. So what it really is, is a documenting of the growth of the hungry hippie and the growth of the podcast and what all goes into that. That's awesome. I know, man, there's a lot of great stuff in there. I know, you know, I've enjoyed watching. I remember just going in there when you were just the, the, the truck wasn't even decorated yet. You know, it was just behind Lee's and to see you um, constantly evolve to where you're at now, it's exciting. And, and I know I get excited every time you post them on Facebook, just to, you know, see what you're going to do next and where, where you plan on taking it. It's, I think um, Alpina has become very proud of the hippie. I know, I know I've been there with you and you've had people travel from out of town just to come there for a, a lunch or a dinner. It's kind of crazy. We get a lot of people that bring other people to the business. And I'm really honored that people feel that way about the business and it being such a homegrown thing because I have a lot of customers that were there from the start and they got to see the white trailer with the one picnic table and the two high school kids running it with me and the time that, I mean, there was three quarters of the time we were open. I was in there by myself and people got to see that. I remember one time you came down mm -hmm. volleyball just got done and I had everything cleaned up. And there was a posse, I think like Rick Hutchin was with you. And there was like probably 12 people that showed up <laughs> and I had every dude, I had everything cleaned up and packed away. And at that time, that was a big undertaking because I was doing it all myself and you guys just bombed me. <laughs> and literally I got done. And, and what happened, like after this, not too many people know the story, but after you guys all came there. I was starting to clean up, but I had had a reasonably busy day. And when I got done with stuff, I would actually drag a hose from Lee's mini golf to the back to the trailer. And so I drug all that. I would drug, drag that across. Well, that night there was a lot of people playing mini golf and I ran out of water. And so I couldn't finish doing all the dishes with the setup. I would either have to wait till Lee's got done at 11 o'clock to pull the hose over. And instead what I did is I, I just took everything. I loaded two big totes up. Like there was crock pots and all my stuff, and I carried them to my car, and then I took them all. I was living downtown in a third-story apartment, and so I carried all that stuff upstairs that night. I think I got done doing dishes at 12.30 in the morning. Oh, I remember, man. I remember during the process of doing them, I'm like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> it was... Uh, it, and. See, like, that's where we're doing the vlog. If I could have put a camera in front of my face during that day to show the terror and disappointment that I had that day, then as, as we get to this place where people are proud to say, yeah, I remember back in the day when this guy had the trailer in the back of the lot and what it was then and to see it grow up and turn into this now, it would be super cool to have some documentation of, what went on that time that's why starting this now with the evolution of the dome and then the doing the podcast I'm like we got to be able to tell this story 100 percent. i know um i i just i love it and then i think so many times i think my favorite thing about it is is you just decided to go for it and over the past couple of pods it's kind of been a theme i've been banging on but it seems like so many times i i'm a i'm guilty of it is you wait for the perfect opportunity or the right opportunity and you know life just ends up passing you by so sometimes the best thing you do is just 
go for it and wing it and it's, it'll work out. I think that that mindset is the way that a lot of people start things. And when you look into the monster businesses that have been started, you think Amazon and Microsoft and all the really, really the, the biggest businesses in the world were made by people that were in really rough circumstances. A lot of times, I mean, picture Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos packing books in a box in his little office and think about if he documented that, what that would look like, how many people would want to see that or um, Steve Jobs at the Harry Krishna temple eating his one meal a week. And that's how a lot of great stuff starts. And when you really look at it, the having to bootstrap for money and be creative versus having a bunch of money to start off with, Uh, I think that a lot of people, when they start off and they maybe have been successful in another business, they go into it and they dump a bunch of money into it and it's a failure. And then you got somebody that really wants to do something that there's a whole different energy that's attached to that. And when you do that and and you're able to just get, make things happen, like I said, kind of bootstrapping it and, and finding the right people and having to be creative, that's where all the stuff comes from, but it's the whole Indiana Jones thing where it was a temple of doom, I think, where he walks across that bridge, but there's no bridge there. And he just, he has to believe that that next step is going to be where his foot lands. And that's really, as I went through this process, dude, it's been pinching pennies and living lean for five years, but knowing that when I wake up in the morning, I can do what I want to do. And not having to to go i mean i've picked up odd jobs and things like that but not having a boss and being able to do it on your own it's worth sacrifices and the things that you got to go through a hundred percent but really it's just diving into it and feeling your way out along the way that passion and drive you know it's um you're the, the people you named they all have that and um I think that it's just, uh, it's just really cool. I know we, like I said, we talked to uh, Jordan Susowitz last week and he just put out a film that um, he was nervous as all get out. And um, I'm happy to report that he sold out Friday night and went well. And um, I texted him a couple of times since then and he's, he's doing really well. And just when you hear people that are, you know, they, my brother always likes to say risk it for the biscuit, but they're, they're not scared to put themselves out there and go for it. I just, I just find that super awesome. Well, dude, when it really boils down to it, you're you and Brad were an inspiration to me because you guys were the pioneers with the podcast in the area. And so having somebody that went for it and when you guys started, nobody else was doing it. Was there in Alpena? Uh, Not that I know of. Yes. There might have been underground doing it, but. Right. So you guys went for it. And that that's I think so often that's what we're inspiration of new things come from, is that a lot like I use Bob's bullpen's a great example of that, too. There was a lot of people that said, well, you can't make it with a comic book shop in Alpena. And that dude's thriving really, really well and coming up with a lot of new and unique ideas. And that wasn't done here before. And there's all kinds of other examples of this that's the one that jumps out to me but if uh you really are passionate about something you don't need to have somebody go in front of you and have done it before you can just roll with it and do it and and take the lumps and be brave and go for it yeah Tommy Dow with Harbor Site Cyclone Sport there's no high-end bike shop in town and he just decided to go for it and now he's expanding his business and moving to a bigger area, I guess. And oh, yeah, I see where you're coming from with it. So, what's on the future? You got anything exciting that, or any goals you like to see happen? Oh God, man! Yeah, um, I would say exploring the local vibe with the podcast i'm excited about that i'm looking forward to sitting down with you tomorrow and i would say that i have about half a dozen people that i've asked to participate in that 
and feeling out what that looks like because all the ones that I did on the road were interview style and Mm -hmm. I'm looking to get into a little bit more of a discussion per se with a lot of the local people unless they have a I would call it a very hippie related travel story of some sorts or something that's involved with uh, the hippie community the local stuff is going to be more local stuff but trying to tie it in with the business and I I'm excited to see how that all plays out I'm going to be moving into a house here in about two months and I want to set up a little recording studio in there and kind of take take it to the next level and have some good equipment and things like that. So I'm excited to work on growing that business and then, or that part of the business. And then with the hippie, I have some things that I don't really want to talk about yet because they're not fully in place, but there's going to be some developments actually in the next couple of weeks with the hippie that uh, some people will be really excited about. So there's a little under the radar thing that's going on with that. And then uh, with the vlog, being consistent with it, having at least two videos a week. Those are things that I want to be consistent with. And you had mentioned earlier about doing these things in the summer. And I have full intention of keeping up with both of the podcasts and vlog uh, in perpetuation for forever, as far as I'm concerned. That's awesome. I think that actually would be more exciting, like, you know, 4th of July, um, when we know you're busier than I'll get that out, like, the day before and here it is it's one o'clock in the morning we're slicing for an onion to tell the cows to come home because we know that you know just stuff like that behind the scenes stuff i think people really enjoy exactly that's where in the winter time i mean the day-to-day things that i'm doing right now it's me sitting in front of a computer writing manual after manual of prep lists and all these things that we didn't have last year so being able to tell that story is probably a little bit dry and boring to people. I'll do a little bit of that, but you're absolutely right. And when the summer rolls around and we get close to opening and 4th of July time, I think it'll be a lot of fun for me to tell the story of where we're at and possibly in uh, recording videos, even talk about things that have happened in the past and, I mean, for a couple Fourth of Julys, it was 4 a.m. I was up till getting ready, and then, you know, I'm just tired, wound up on coffee, and having another 12-hour day, and being able to talk about some of that stuff and and go back to the previous years, and then also tell the story of where we're at right now. It's uh, and then interviewing employees and customers uh, that are there waiting for food and those things. I want to play around with it and and have some fun with it is at the end of the day, all that I really want to do with it is tell the story and and have some fun. Well, and the best thing about that is it's free advertising in the end of the day. It's, um, it involves work, some upfront costs of like, like you said, for the equipment and so forth. But really once you do it and you put it out there, it kind of can, man, just takes a life of its own. It's kind of crazy. There's a guy that I listen to a lot. He's the social media guru. His name's Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's everywhere. He's got a podcast. He's got a, a daily V. He's written several books. And I have one. Talk, you know Gary V? Yep. Yeah, dude's a machine. And what he talks about is documenting and being authentic in the process. Because when you look at it, and this goes for the restaurant business or for any other business, so oftentimes everything that's put on social media is somebody trying to sell something. It's buy this, buy this, buy this. And you're constantly bombarded with somebody wanting your money. And when you're doing things like podcasting, I mean, eventually podcasting, I plan on making money doing it way down the road. Right now, there won't be a penny generated from that for a while as far as I'm concerned. And I'm fine with that. And same thing goes for the vlog is it's because I like doing it and I want to tell the story, but for people that are interested in the business and interested in if I'm traveling, like wanting to hear a story from somebody, there's some value that's provided there of entertainment value and maybe from the interview or some business tactic that I share with people that they can gain something from it. And if you can, 
share, that's the most important thing and being able to give people some value without expecting anything in return. I think that that, it just feels good to be able to do that. I know you do a lot of uh, causes with, you did the United Way and being able to, to give without any expectation is one of the best feelings in the world. Yeah, and I mean, we live in a really neat community where, I mean, and I know you can you appreciate this because the hippies grown has become part of Alpena, but it's easy to kind of want to give back when you have a, a cool area to give back to, I guess. Oh, definitely. Everybody in this community is super supportive and you can, when you look online and see what people are doing on Facebook and I mean, when it comes down to even sharing posts or showing up for events and showing support, people turn out when you do, especially when people are doing new things that are fun for them. Uh, I really feel like there's a, a lot of people turning out. I mean, when we had the the video thing here the other day that you won the People's Choice Award, that was a pretty full room in there. And it was a cold what Monday night in Alpena and you get 50 people to show up for something like that. And it's just a, there's a lot of good people and everybody supports local. And that's what I really like about where we live. I'm looking forward to the seating in Bob's bullpen when he gets that set up. And I know he's going to have your ears are going to bleed. He's going to have the sound in that place. So legitimate. And it'll be a cool place. So, you know, and you know, Bob's a movie guy, so he'll, you know, he'll have the, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, like Big Lebowski will be on there and all sorts of awesome flicks. Yeah, that place is, it's going to be really cool. He's put so much work in and I'm, I admire him a lot because I know that the process that he's been through is very similar. It's different, but it's similar to where I was at where, and he was telling me he was sleeping in the back there and um, just really putting everything that he has back into it. And when you follow all these people that are successful with businesses and had to start off with very little, those are the people that they just kept dumping the money into the business, believing that something bigger was going to happen, something bigger was going to happen. And, and they just kept at it. And with Bob, I seen that with his place. It's like, man, every time I went in there or seen something on Facebook, it's like something's new, something's new, something's new. And then boom, now he's doubling the size of it. And then the speed at which this part's happened is boggles my mind at how much work that he puts in. So I'm just super proud of him for everything that he's done. hundred percent. So uh, I think we'll wrap up this segment here. Uh, the interview part, and I guess we'll do our top five which is definitely going to be um, right up me and Brad's alley. That's for certain. Yeah. When you mentioned that to me earlier, any ideas, I'm like, I know you guys are sports guys and I'm a huge sports nut. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. And I spent probably an hour writing stuff down and, and I actually went on YouTube and watched a couple of clips of these things that I was either at or got to watch. And it was super fun. So I'm glad that we're doing this. You can create a, a definite YouTube wormhole, uh, especially on this one. You could just sit there and watch highlights the whole time. So, Oh, for sure. All right. Well, that sounds good. We'll wrap it up now, and then I guess we'll, we can take a two-second pause, and then Brad could kick us off with the top five. So, All right. All right, this week's top five is our top five personal sports moments. So I guess these are moments that we've witnessed either in person or on TV or whatever. And all mine are, I was actually at these games. And so number five for me, it wasn't really a special game. Nothing special happened in the game, but... The game was the Tigers versus the Blue Jays in 2017. It was the first baseball game I went to went to with my 
uh, nephew, and he wanted to go back to a Tigers game since then, and it was just a great experience. More that for me than the game, just seeing him excited and happy and just wanting to do this and that and ride the carousel and go up to the levels of Comerica Park. But So that was more of a special moment for me than a special game or a special moment in the game. So, yeah. I like it. So my favorite, I didn't do anything with what I attended. I just, what I watched because I don't, you know, attend that much. So um, my favorite thing I've seen, number five for me was Tigers U.S. Open shot from the bunker uh, that rolled in slow motion with the Nike golf ball. Um, I just can think of that every time. And it is, it was kind of easy for me to do this because I just thought of my favorite five people of all time or athletes and uh, Tiger's definitely one of my five. Yeah, that was a good shot and a great moment. So, yeah, I like it. I like the different angles so far. This is going to be really interesting as we go forward because, one, you have a personal experience with Brad and his nephew, and then, Steve, you went into this and did more picking athletes, and then I went from it from a different angle too. So this will be fun as we go through. The number five one that I had was the 2016, or I'm sorry, 2006 national championship between Texas and USC when it was uh, Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush against the one-man wrecking crew, Vince Young. And I remember how much that ESPN hyped that game up. It was crazy. I mean, they tend to do that with big games, but that one was really hyped up and, and played up to be something special. And out of all the things in life and sports and other things in general that don't quite live up to the hype, I remember that game as I was watching it and, and it was going through, it was back and forth, back and forth. And, and Vince Young ends up winning the game on a long drive at the end. And that was one of the few sports games that really all, all the way from the first to fourth quarter lived up to the hype that was built up for it. So that was one of my most enjoyable watch games that I didn't really, I was rooting for Vince Young, but it was just a joy to watch that game because it was such good football being played. Yeah, I I remember that game, and it was just amazing, everything about it. Yeah. I mean, they started one of the greatest college football games ever. So it was, I remember watching it and just – it was quite the game. All right. My number four is 1998 district final played at Alpena High School for the basketball team. I don't remember who they played. I just know they won, and the gym was packed, and it was they had both sides of the gym open because that many people were there to watch, and it was just it was a great game, and it was a great season. Um. Yeah. We. Uh have slowly picked our way through that team and having them on. And I know we have at least three people slated hopefully for this year. So, I mean, I'd like to get Barton, Brady Smith. I know I've talked to Brady Smith and we're eventually going to have Eric on whenever he can finally stop being so god darn busy. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number four. All right, I'm going to go to number four. It's going to be the 2010 Duke National Championship. So I can't. I was trying to figure out whether I wanted to go 10 or the 2015 one. Um, the 2015 one, I think, while I liked it a lot, the problem was, as we've had this topic, Brad, is that um, Duke's changed over the past five, ten years. And so what you kind of used to know everyone, and it used to be a senior-heavy team, and um, they now have rotating faces every nine months, and um, it, it's a different feel. So while that 2015 championship was cool and all that, the 2010 with Johnny Shire, Kyle Singler, and all those guys are is definitely a special one. And you guys don't have to like that. I get it. 
That's fine. Yeah. I didn't even know you were a Duke guy. I, I assumed Michigan. Well, that's coming up too. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> right on. All right. So my number four, I had, man, there was probably seven or eight things in here. And so I had to narrow it down. But I remember watching, so in 2003, it was a big national storyline when Brett Favre's dad passed away. And I remember watching, it was on Monday Night Football, they were playing the Raiders. And I remember watching that game with my dad. And it was a really special night. It was just to, I watched so many Packers games with my dad over the years. And seeing that game with him was special. And I don't think I've ever seen a half of football played better than that game. I remember Favre, I think he threw three or four touchdown passes in the first half. I think he had one incompletion. It was the most magical half of football I think I've ever seen a, a quarterback play in my life. And I just remember it being a very touching game to watch with my dad, and it's definitely a, a top five for me. Yeah, and isn't that the game that he won in overtime with like a, like just a, a dart? No, they no, okay. they dusted the Raiders. The game was over at halftime. Okay, I was oh, maybe it was his mother when his mother passed away. He had a game where he just like absolutely just went out like it was back and forth, and then overtime. First play, like he just goes and he just goes yard on it. And um, I, Brett Farm was definitely a fun one to watch. I mean, I personally don't like the Packers, but I can <laughs> at least respect yeah. him enough. So, all right, I don't respect him at all. So anyway, <laughs> uh, my number three is Saginaw Valley State versus Northwood in the regular season in two thousand one. At Northwood, Northwood was just killing us, and, and I guess in the at, during halftime, Saginaw Valley's coach had an erasable marker and he threw it at the board. And I guess the marker exploded, and this just fueled the team. And they came out in the second half and put it to Northwood. They came back and won. And the game-winning catch was made by Glenn Martinez. He had a sprained ankle that week. And all of a sudden, he just flew down the field. It was a deep pass. He caught it. The defender tried to trip him, but he didn't. And he ran for the touchdown. It was one of the most exciting things I've seen. And that was my number three. All right, my number three is good old Michael Jeffrey Jordan in the 1998 NBA Finals when he steals it from the mailman and then he comes down and he makes uh, the shot to win the NBA Finals. Um, clutch, super clutch. And I remember watching that like it was yesterday. And um, everything I've ever talked about here right now, I, I can remember watching it live and just being like, yes, so... Is that the yes. one where he very subtly pushes the guy out of the way? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's like his signature highlight clip, man. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's so Jordan. And the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays. So. <laughs> right. So my number three is a game that I attended, which is also a basketball game. So it was the year – gosh, I don't remember – what year did the Pistons win the finals? 2010? Uh, Stones? That yeah, was like Pistons. 2005? Oh, was it that long? Four, yeah, four. it's not 2010. Yeah. It was when they had Tayshawn Prince and uh, Big Ben and all those guys. Was it that long ago? It was. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Okay. It was. So, yeah, I ended up uh, calling my buddy Matt up. I went online and ended up – they had like a – thing where you get in on Ticketmaster, and I ended up getting tickets to game four against the Lakers and they were nosebleed I think I I don't know what I paid for them but it was a lot it was like 200 and some bucks a piece and we went to that game and we probably put down I would say eight to ten beers before the game and then we went in there and it was before you know the whole Ron Artest thing before they cut the beer size down because that whole brawl thing happened well before that 
the year before, two years before, was when the Pistons were in the championship. So big beers and cheap prices, and we got bombed. And they ended up winning that game. They go up 3-1 in the Lakers, and everybody kind of knew that the series was over. And I remember my friend Matt and I went out in the parking lot, and I bet you we high-fived 500 people apiece outside. There's just these two people pretty inebriated walking around high-fiving each other. And I bet you we were out in the parking lot. It was just a mayhem out there till probably one in the morning. And we, I remember sleeping in my car and I was at the freaking palace parking lot at four o'clock in the morning, waking up and be like, we got to get out of here, dude. <laughs> There's nothing better than being surrounded by a whole bunch of strangers when the team wins. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. It's the best thing ever all right well my number two was a tigers yankees game in august of 2007 i was invited to go to the game by one of my brother's co-workers because his company bought buys tickets to a tigers game each year i don't know if they still do it but you got to bring a guest or something so this girl invited me to go down and weather was clear the whole time I was driving down there. And then we get to Comerica Park, and there's a four-hour rain delay. <laughs> so the game started probably 11 o'clock, and we had tickets for whatever we wanted. So it was Tiger Bucks or something, so you could buy beer or whatever. So we were all on our way to getting pretty drunk because Skeeter had – put together some rum and Cokes before on the bus ride over. So we're drunk, sitting in right field, yelling at the outfielder. And at 3.30 a.m., <laughs> we were still at the game, and Carlos again hits a walk-off home run in the 11th inning. So that was quite the game for me and quite the experience. And I'm surprised I still remember it because we were all kind of drunk. <laughs> How late did they serve? Uh, I don't know. Did they just go, it was all normally it's the seventh inning, so if it gets delayed that long, they probably just go until seventh inning. I would imagine. It probably, but we had four hours of just stand there and drink, so <laughs> it was. So number two. Yes, I might have to cut this short. I might have to make a phone call. But and know that I wouldn't do that unless I felt it was important. Um, number two for me is it's a tie. They're both close. Screw it. Charles Woodson. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna tell you that it's going to be the interception against Michigan State, the one-handed moment. But it's that whole entire season for him, and it not just the national championship, but the the Heisman Trophy, the the punt return against Ohio State. It goes on and on. It was a magical, magical season. It was a good season. So my number two is the 96 Packers championship. My dad actually spray painted our yard with all Packers stuff and being in Lion Country out in Posen. It was uh, – Yeah. They, they better win that game because – I know. I, mean, I got I to gotta go. You taking off? I just um, – no, just let's wrap it up, and then I'll – we can – it's just what it is. So, but keep going. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, uh, Packers Championship 96. It was Brett Favre, Reggie White, and uh, against the Patriots, and it was the first time in my life that I got to see the Packers win the Super Bowl. It was a really special experience that I had with my dad. And just a, it was a lot of fun watching that game. I'll never forget when, when the game was over. How happy to see how happy my dad and the rest of my family was. It was a really, really special experience. All right, that sounds nice. All right, my number one is Saginaw Valley State in the playoffs against IUP in 2001. It was one of the biggest comebacks in Division Two playoff history, and it was an exciting game. You made it on ESPN. All right, Steve. Um, Fab Five, Ohio State. 
we beat Lawrence Funderburk. Chris Weber's back of our dunk is still brings through my mind, and then I just love it. Yes. <laughs> Great memory. All right, so my number one is the 2006 American League Championship Series Game 4. I had been scalping tickets so that we could afford to go to games that year with the Tigers. I, I would buy out every game of the series, and then when me and my buddies could figure out which game we would go to, we went. And so we ended up watching the one Friday night, we watched Jeremy Bonderman sweep the Yankees, and then the next Friday night, we went and watched Jeremy Bonderman sweep the athletics. And the, that game is one of the, probably one of the best Detroit highlights ever was Magdalena Ordonia's walk-off home run. And I remember being in the stands and when he hit that thing, I literally thought the bleachers were moving so far. They had like, people were jumping up and down so much. I thought the bleacher was going to come down. It was probably like four or five inch swing. And it was the, the most magical experience I've ever had at a sporting event. It was like a minute of like out of body experience. It was the, the feeling in that crowd was just not, I couldn't describe it. It was the, the best sports moment I've ever had. That is a great moment. Yes. All right, boys, I hate to do this. I got to fly. All right. All right. I will thank Greg. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. And then, Thanks um, for having me. Maybe if this is fast, I'll call you guys right back. Cool, dude. All right. All right, guys. See you. Bye. See you.